Today's sermon is about our hope. If you want even more information about this hope that we have in our God, check out the Sunday School video. You can find a link in the video description below. Lord, make me an eagle. Give me the strength to rise above all of life's tribulations. Help me to reach for something more. And when I'm feeling weary, when I am weak and afraid I might fail, Lord, please make me an eagle, for eagles don't fly, eagles don't fly, eagles Yes. 
mercies work through his Son, he has made known through the Spirit, his plan from before the ages, and through the church all men shall know the wisdom of God. We hear the word hope quite a lot in our day-to-day -day lives. In fact, we probably use it a lot. You know, sometimes we might say something like, oh, well, I hope that, you know, something good, fill in the blank for you, whatever works for you. But, you know, you might think, oh, well, I hope this good thing happens to me. Or maybe this time of year, we might be thinking, oh, I hope I get this one thing for, for Christmas. You know, we might be thinking about those terms, about how, you know, we hope and we're, we're, we have this, this hopeful expectation of something. You know, that's kind of how we're, we're using that word. In fact, a lot of times the way that we use the word hope is that, you know, I would like for this thing to, to happen, but, you know, we recognize that sometimes it doesn't. But in this video, what I want us to do is I want us to take a look at, at a few different passages in the Bible, and I want us to see what the Bible says about the word hope. And I want us to notice a few things with that. And you might notice that we don't, some of these passages that we're going to be looking at, it's not going to be translated the word hope. It's the same word that in other places in translated hope, and sometimes it's translated differently depending on the the, uh, the circumstance that it shows up in. You know, for examples, I'll try to point these out as we look at them, but sometimes the, the idea about waiting is connected with hope, or, you know, sometimes even the word for hope is also translated as waiting. Sometimes it's translated about how, you know, we kind of are putting our trust in something. You know, we are hoping in something. So it can be used in a pretty broad variety of different ways. And, and I hope that you do check out the Sunday School video and the, the Bible Project video that's linked up in all of this. And, and it goes into even more detail about hope than what we're going to do. But I want us to look at several passages. And I want us to see what our hope, biblically speaking, what does our hope need to be in? Well, let's take a look at this first passage. And this first one might kind of surprise you a little bit. Did you know that God actually hopes? Now, this word, I don't, I don't know that it's really translated all that much in our, in our Bibles as that he is hoping, but when you read this, you start to realize God is actually putting his hope in Israel in this case, you know, in his children. He is hoping for good things. He is expecting good things. But you will notice that if we try to put our hope in humans, we are going to be disappointed. And guess what? When God puts his hope in humans, they disappoint him as well. We disappoint him as well. Isaiah chapter 5, look at this, verses 1 through 7 with me. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stone and planted it with choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Ju Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do with to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, 
and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. Notice this image that's being used. In fact, you probably noticed several of these passages are kind of quoted, sort of mentioned. So Jesus used several of these images. And, you know, maybe he didn't use the whole image. I don't know if he ever exactly used this whole image at one time, but he used bits and pieces of it to kind of show how much God cares for us. And and why I say that this is connected with hope is there in the in the middle of this uh, this quotation, he's the the vineyard, you know, the the uh, the owner of the vineyard, who would be God in this case. He says, "When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad?" And uh, then also even earlier. He said, then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. So all this is connected to he is looking for, he is hoping for, he has this hope, but this hope is actually in, in humans in this case. And humans disappoint because he looks for these good things. He hopefully looks for good things. And we're talking about God here. God is hopefully looking for good things within us, within Israel here. Israel let him down. What about us? You know, I would like to think that God is still looking for good things. He is still hoping for good things within us. But what do we do in response? See, if we as just, you know, if we as humans put all of our hope just in other humans, we're going to be let down. Because even whenever God expects great things and whenever he truly does everything he can possibly do. I mean, looking at that's kind of the whole point of this, this parable, if you will, is the, the owner did everything he could do, but still bad things happen. And that can happen to us too, if that's what our hope is in. But our hope should not be fully in just man. Our hope has got to be in our God. In fact, a few chapters later in Isaiah chapter eight, we see that, that idea being picked up about how our hope is in God. And by the way, most of the time, whenever you look in the Bible and you see the word hope, it does have to do with our hope needing to be or how our hope should be or how our hope is in God. So let's take a look at one of those passages together. Isaiah chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 11 through 17 and then also verse 20 because I want us to sort of piece all this idea together and, and really kind of grasp a little bit better what, what all is going on. But notice here that the hope is in the Lord. Our hope needs to be in the Lord. This is what the Lord says to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. Do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. He will be a holy place for both Israel and Judah. He will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many of them will stumble. They will fall and be broken. They will be snared and captured. Bind up this testimony of warning and seal up God's instructions among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my trust in him. See, verse 17 all of this has to do with, with what Isaiah has said and what he is, is going to do. And really, Isaiah is speaking on behalf of, of those who are faithful. See, Isaiah, he lived in kind of a dark time, a time in which things were, things were changing. Things did not look good. 
for Israel. Um, and during that time, what God tells him is, you know, don't align yourselves too much with the people. Don't put your hope, don't put your trust, don't put your fear and your respect in only people. But you must respect, you must fear, you must regard as holy the Lord your God. And in verse 17, that's, that's what all of this comes down to. I know that the word hope isn't actually used, but actually the word that is often translated hope, it is used in this passage. He says, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my trust in him. Waiting for the Lord, putting our trust in him. Both of those things, both of those phrases are connected with how our hope is in our God. Waiting for the Lord, hoping for the Lord to, to work things out for the better. Putting our trust in the Lord. You know, I think this, this idea of hope is one that we need today. And, and is one that, you know, we can even look around the world in which we see and and we don't know how or when or or if and everything things are going to be getting better. And we don't know really kind of what the what the future might be holding with uh, within several different areas. But from this passage, what we what we recognize is our hope is found in our God. It's not found in some of these circumstances that we see among us. You know, whether they be physical or or some spiritual things that are putting pressure on us, uh, you know, today, it's more than that. Our hope has got to be found in our God. And then also in verse 20, I wanted to include this as well, because Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20, it says, Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. When you look at these images, that God is using, that, that Isaiah is using also here in this passage, you notice some of this, this stumbling being connected with our God. Well, being a stumbling block and being a snare, isn't that described in the New Testament about the cross? See, the cross was part of the plan of God. And sometimes the plan of God and, and the way that he is working things out does not make sense to us. That's where our hope comes in. Because we can have hope in our God. We can recognize that even though, you know, as we look at the plan of God, we might have our own questions and might wonder, okay, well, God, why did you do this over here and then, then do that over there? And, and we don't necessarily always understand why God did what he did when he did it, but we put our hope in him. We trust in him because we know he is going to work these things out. And whenever we do that, then we can be children of the light. We can be people of the light. We fail to see that, then we fail to see this this light of the dawn. You know, think about how the dawn comes. You know, don't we don't we have hope that a new day will dawn tomorrow? You know, it doesn't matter what day you're listening to this. We we every single day have hope that there's going to be a a new dawn the next day, even though you know technically we don't necessarily know that the sun is going to be coming up, but we just have hope and we we kind of have these these expectations that that dawn will come. All of these use this image about how we can put our hope, how we can put our trust in our God. He is the one who brings this light. Sometimes people stumble over it. Sometimes people see this as a snare. But we need to embrace the things of God, put our hope in him, put our trust in him, and wait for the Lord to do the things that he is doing in our midst. The thought continues in the next chapter, in Isaiah chapter 9. Keep in mind where we left off about that light and connected with dawn. Well, in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, we read this. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. 
In the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now, I hope that you can kind of piece these things together and start to recognize that, look, the time that, you know, you heard of Galilee before, you don't read about Galilee all that much in the Old Testament. But we do read about Galilee in the New Testament, don't we? We actually see that Jesus spent a lot of time in Galilee because Jesus was that light. He was that light who came into this deep darkness and his light shined and his light has been shining for 2000 years. And we see that light today. We see that light where it appeared, exactly as it was prophesied here in Isaiah 9. See, all of this was part of the plan of God. Some of this most certainly didn't always make sense to Isaiah. But he was told to prophesy these things. He was told to, to be faithful to God. And he, he was determined to put his hope in God, to put his trust in God, and wait for the Lord and allow the Lord to work these things out. And the Lord did. Now, he did that, I mean, hundreds of years later. I mean, Isaiah wrote hundreds of years, about seven or so hundred years before Jesus walked on this earth. But Jesus is the one who truly brought this light. The light has dawned. Now we're living in the day. We are children of the light. Let's live like we're children of the light. And let's continue this idea, this hope that we, we've seen from Isaiah. And I mean, it's also found in numerous other places. We can see a lot of different Psalms that talk about that. But I want us also this in this video to take a look at some New Testament passages that talk about our hope and what our hope needs to be in today. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter starts off his very first letter talking about this hope that we have and how it has to firmly rest in Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at this together. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, and you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So in this passage of what Peter is, is telling us here, he's bringing in this story that has been started in the Old Testament, and it's it has firmly been stated that our hope has got to be in our God. That's stated in the Old Testament numerous times. But now in the New Testament, we see that this includes our hope has got to be found in Jesus Christ. In verse 3, Peter calls this hope that we have a living hope. He talks about it in the terms of, of new birth. You'll notice that whenever you find out the word hope, you find out that it is closely connected with our faith. Oftentimes, it's closely connected with our faith. And here in this passage, it's connected with this new birth that we can have. This new birth is connected with the living hope that we can have. And why can we have that? Verse 3 tells us. Verse 3, it says, that this living hope is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ 
from the dead. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Specifically, our hope is found in the fact that Jesus was raised up from the dead. I mean, do we really recognize how that changed everything in history? I mean, I know that we talk about it, and I know that we can even say that we recognize that, but I mean, seriously, let's think about it. Let's maybe even meditate upon that, that fact that our hope is found firmly on this resurrection of Jesus Christ and what that means for us. Because Jesus' own resurrection, it didn't just end with him. It actually carries over into us as well. And the hope that we can have because Jesus was raised from the dead is the fact that we can also have hope in being raised up from the dead. That we can be able to live with God forever. And all this comes down to the, the great things that God has done for us. That our hope can be found in him. He has to be what our hope is found in. This living hope that we have is through this resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now let's see a, another uh, one of the early leaders of the church. This was Peter that was talking about this hope. But now let's see what Paul says about this hope that we have. And he connects it with the resurrection as well. In a very familiar passage, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's look at it together. This whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 15 is where the Apostle Paul is, is talking about the gospel message. That it is firmly rooted in the fact of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But it also carries that over into our own death, burial, and resurrection as well. And the hope that we can have that's found only in Jesus Christ. And I want to jump into and just look at a few verses from, from this passage here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to look at verses 16 through 22. And notice what Paul says about this. He starts off here and he says, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. So in this passage here, what we find out is that the fact that our hope is in Christ, but this hope is not just in this life. It's not hope that we have in Christ just in this life. See, verse 19, it says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ. Well, what hope really is that? You know, part of the whole point of the gospel message is the fact that Jesus raised up from the dead, and because of that, we will be able to raise up from the dead too. And if we put our faith firmly in that fact, and then that fact becomes false, or, you know, is, is shown to be false, then what, what does that mean about our hope? You know, all of it crumbles in the way that the Apostle Paul says, we are of all people most to be pitied. But don't be discouraged by that, because Right after that, in verse 20, he says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. So you, you want to know all these different ways? I mean, he's, he says that multiple ways that Christ has been raised from the dead. You can be assured of that. There's no question whatsoever. Jesus was dead, but now he's alive. He was raised up from the dead, and he was the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Yes, all of us, because of Adam and because of our own sin, we all uh, die in Adam, so to speak, in verse 22. But in Christ. We can all be made alive. We have that hope. We have that hope in Jesus Christ. 
So we've looked at a few passages from the Old Testament and from the New that all point us to the fact that our faith, our hope, our trust has got to be in Jesus Christ. It has got to be in God. This is always what our hope was supposed to be in. And we need to be people who are living that out and who are putting our hope, no matter what the world around us might look like, we put our hope in Jesus Christ. And we know that he is in control and that he will be able to do the things that need to be done in this life and in the one that is to come. Please hear my cry, O God. Father, wipe my tears. From darkness far away I cry for you to bring me near. My heart is overwhelmed. My spirit is cast down. But the shelter of your wings, my Lord, leads me through this troubled ground. The shelter of your wings is a fortress for the fight against the enemy, the foe of truth and right. The shelter of your wings lifts my spirit so to sing. How I love the blessed comfort of the shelter of your wings. Your shelter sets me free from grips of sin and shame. Beneath your wings I soar, lifted high by Jesus' name. My strength is in your power, my might is not my own. It's the shelter of your wings that will carry me toward home. The shelter of your wings is a fortress for the fight against the enemy, the foe of truth and right. The shelter of your wings lifts my spirit so to sing. How I love the blessed comfort of the shelter of your wings. Your mercy and your truth that through the troubled way the heritage of hope led me high when low I lay. Your name that I so fear did to receive my trust. For mercies mixed with justice in the shelter of your wings. The shelter of your wings is a fortress for the fight against the enemy, the foe of truth and right. The shelter of your wings lifts my spirit so to sing. How I love the blessed comfort of the shelter of your wings.